and welcome to a new entry of the High Tech Low Code Podcast. Today we're going to talk about how technology impacts the utility industry. We'll go through the challenges and opportunities of, that the technology provides in the sector and how it is shaping the processes to interact with the customers. And to aid us shine some light onto that subject, we have as our guest, Teresa Jonsson Albertson, Head of Web and Digital Solutions at Flutterfall. Teresa, thank you very much for joining us in this podcast. I would like to ask you, how are you doing? And if you could do a small introduction about yourself so that we, our listeners could get to know you a little bit better. Okay, hi. Well, thank you very much for having me. Uh, as you said, my name is Teresa Jonsson Albertson, and I uh, live in a town called Umeå in northern Sweden. Not one I'm really from. I actually grew up in Västerås, which is about an hour outside of Stockholm. Uh, I moved to Umeå to study at the university here, credit risk management. And of course, I met somebody whom I married and ended up staying up here. I joined, or the job I have today, I joined Vattenfall as a company with credit risk management and uh, financial analysis. Uh, from there, I went to business development and process-driven business development. In that job, I realized that IT is where the magic happens. So around 2014, I joined Vattenfall in about 2004, I decided to join Vattenfall IT. Uh, and there I was first a project manager for a very large web project. That was my first introduction to IT. It was a lot of lot challenge, but a lot of fun. And then from there, I then became head of the web and digital solutions uh, department where we are responsible for the delivery of uh, web and digital solutions for our end customers. And then I had it now for the six months, I've been head for a whole department, which is custom IT, where web and solutions was a part of. And now uh, I'm back to my original role as head of web and solutions. And just short about myself, uh, I sometimes say the reason I work is to finance all my traveling because I love to travel. And of course the pandemic has set a stop to this. So I've now actually appreciated exploring locally because I spent so many years traveling through work and also internationally privately that now I realized, you know, exploring locally and the Northern Sweden has been a lot of fun, which is one of the, bene- one of the few positive outcomes of the um, pandemic. Well, getting to get the local uh, country, that's nice, that's yeah. nice. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, and, but diving right into our subject, I'd like to start by asking, um, how is technology influencing the utilities industry in their operation processes? So since the energy sector is highly regulated, we may not have been as quick on our feet as, let's say, a startup. Uh, however, a lot of exciting, interesting things are happening throughout the energy value chain. Uh, as an example, building uh, electric vehicle solutions and infrastructure. There are joint ventures, as an example, enabling fossil-free steel production. We have green energy solutions and energy storage, uh, decentralization of energy production, consumers of electricity becoming prosumers, and electricity users' expectations of easy digital self-service solutions Uh, to support them in having insight in their consumption and the cost that we need to accommodate for them because they have very high expectations of us in this area. Uh, and of course, in all this, we need digital solutions to support the whole value chain from production to consumption. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, what future trend? Sorry. What future trends could be expected in the utilities industry? Is something like blockchain in the horizon? 
blockchain is actually being used in the energy trading uh, domain and to make a series of complex transactions more efficient, which makes the process more streamlined. And energy trading is, of course, the buying of selling electricity on the commodities market. Then, of course, we also have solutions today, or there are solutions today for peer-to-peer online marketplace for self-generated and clean electricity. So uh, like I mentioned a little before, so for consumers. So by storing the results of the power transaction in the blockchain, uh, it enables users to execute transparent and non-hierarchy transactions without third-party involvement. And the technology could probably also be used for meter readings uh, in the future. Uh, other trends are, of course, IoT solutions that we might talk about a little bit more later. Uh, using drones for overseeing power production sites, VR and augmented reality for training people that work in the field and power plants simulation. And then, of course, artificial intelligence for predictive maintenance, consumption, uh, RPA for process optimization, and customer interactions are some of our examples. That's pretty cool. Considering the next generation of hardware, how soon will smart meters, virtual power plants, and smart cities uh, become a reality in Europe? In the beginning, for some energy users, having smart meters was an issue as it could be, be perceived as an invasion of privacy. However, the technology is now being implemented on a broad perspective, especially in the EU. And as I understand, it will pick up even further in 2021, according to Smart Energy International. And of course, smart cities, closely linked to IoT technology, where we, among other things, can see that heat storage sensors in buildings uh, are able to capture the temperature and other desired metrics in a building based on an algorithm uh, that uses different impulses, such as weather, temperature, and price, to steer the optimal use of the heat regulations in the building without affecting the temperature or indoor climate for the people that live there. So it will still be comfortable for them, but you can still optimize. And another example, if we're talking about is actually getting back to smart meters, because in combination with, let's say, an app, consumers can track their energy consumption in real time. And of course, this app can then detect appliances that have very high energy uh, consumption and optimize it and plan their day or plan how they use utilities in their uh, home by using the real-time information of their consumption. You mentioned the... the... You mentioned the fact that the readings from the, the meters in buildings and taking into account the temperature, mm. and I'm sure it will take also into account the number of people in the building and whatnot. Mm. That's actually quite interesting. Thinking of there would be a, maybe an AI simulation or an algorithm going on that would just read all into those variables and then say, okay, actually, we don't need to turn on the heating or... Uh, allow this much power to go into this building because there's no need allowing us for a, maybe a greener future and less mm. uh, and a better econ economic mm. uh, output of that. That's actually quite interesting. I can I definitely can imagine uh, very uh, big buildings uh, getting into that fairly quickly because I'll, the bill at the end of the month would be considerably less. <laughs> exactly. And it also has a positive I would say climate uh, impact because of course, reducing heat consumption uh, and temperatures in the building also of course, has an impact of uh, reduction of energy uh, production uh, 
mm. which then has also is quite positive for climate. That's cool. That's cool. Thinking of all the technology that are available yeah. to read into all of that data, it's actually quite interesting. And that's being rolled out at the moment. Yes, it is. Yeah, I mean there there are it is being implemented. I know in Stockholm in some areas. Okay. I think this also this actually technology is available to some, and maybe it's just in some cases just in the starting phase. But I think there also actually are uh, opportunities like this in Germany. Mm, okay. uh, also, so yes, I think it is broad, and I think we'll see a lot more of this uh, in the future. Also, because as electricity and I would say energy is something that we take for granted, but it's so important part of our lives. Yeah, I, I mean everything we do. I mean, and electrification of of um, our lives. So the the. the... There is a bigger adoption of this type of technology going on. Yeah, exactly. Because one, I think consumers and users of electricity, they expect this. Mm-hmm. Um, people want to be part of a greener future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And being able to actually control it, uh, like through the blockchain, where we have you know peer-to-peer buying of electricity and uh, presumers that buy and sell their own uh, electricity production by having solar cells as an example on their roofs of their houses Mm. and also living in a building that is climate smart is of course very appealing because we all know that this is needed for our future personally speaking so you touched base on the solar panels that's something that i always felt intrigued by that and actually someone and please correct me if i'm wrong on this yeah uh, so actually, someone recently explained to me why uh, there is this, this scheme of uh, there is the solar. So I, I probably own my house. I have my solar mm. panels. I am generating energy. Uh, but instead of uh, applying it to my house, I'm actually selling it back to the to the provider. And yeah. I was like, that doesn't make sense. Why don't I just use it? And he went, so that person went and said, because we don't have a way to storage it effectively. Exactly. Exactly. And that is, I think, has always been the dilemma a little bit of the energy sector Mm -hmm. is how do you store energy? And now, of course, we're going towards batteries. Mm. And that, of course, is a way in the future to store uh, electricity. But until now and until that has been, I would say, further developed, it is the way to sort of sell your production back to the um, your service provider in the short term then hopefully the batteries technology will pick up maybe with yeah. the cars uh, electric cars coming in the picking at the technology from those batteries and start applying it to home utilities who knows um getting back on track yeah <laughs> uh, does low code already play a role within the software or it architecture that is being developed for it uh, right now no not at this moment at least within our area uh, however, I do see a potential to use it because it's uh, ability for easy development capabilities and also to be able to speed up time to market, which is key in a uh, market that is consistently changing conditions. I mean, things are going so quickly now, uh, you have to be quick to meet consumers' expectations, other businesses' expectations. So I do think for solutions, it might be uh, something in the future to adapt mm. to more than we do today. Yes. Yeah, so, so that's a, that's an ongoing topic that we've had 
here before on the podcast, which is the consequences due to um, digital revolution being uh, forced upon us due to COVID. Now everyone is expecting to have a a customer portal uh, somewhere to go and be able to check the documents that are necessary, be able to get in contact with the companies. So yeah, definitely something to be on the lookout, right? Exactly. And it's just, you know, a thing that I realized, I mean, who has a printer at home today? Not that many people, or I'm just assuming people don't. And that became an issue in the beginning, you know, signing documents, because I can't go to the office anymore, print it, sign it, scan it and send it back, you know, so quickly finding uh, solutions to sign documents, legal documents in a secure way, which is something that actually COVID-19 drove uh that process quicker that's actually a very good point yeah Yeah. and also good from an environmental perspective because no printing paper true less trees being cut down i agree with i like that one (laughs) could ai and data science by being able to predict supply and demand play a role in transforming the sector or are we still far from those possibilities uh, no, it's actually being used uh, quite a lot today. So we have predictive maintenance. So for seeing, if you look at wind farms, if something is happening in the, um, uh, in the machinery of the mm-hmm. wind farm, as an example, so predict a pattern that something is not working as it should, and therefore, before something breaks, being able to actually fix it before it breaks. Okay. So that's one. So working with uh, predictive maintenance. And then I would say a thing that we're also working a lot on it now, I would say is predictive uh, consumption. So looking from history and using data to uh, consumer data, as an example, to see how the pattern looks and predict how that, especially I would say in large companies, how their consumption will look. Uh, in the future. And that, of course, makes it much easier for a a large company to plan their operations. I can see that, like forecasting the next year. Yeah, exactly. And costs. Okay. That is quite quite an interesting uh, development there. I guess this associated, for example, uh, uh, the the pattern analyzing associated with what you mentioned before, uh, the usability of hardware, such as drones, can also Mm -hmm. drive the cost of maintenance quite low. dramatically uh, on on the windmills and in reservoirs and whatnot right exactly uh and that's a very good technology that you mean only a few years ago wouldn't was not uh available to use uh and it's also i would say safer for the people that work out in the field to Mm. use a drone instead of climbing up to the top of um a uh, wind turbine nice yeah (laughs) So to, to climb on top of the wind turbine uh, to look at something if it's not working and rather from the ground make an assessment of what work will need to be done. So it's also safer for the individual that works out in the field. True, true. And more fun, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yes, and those are all the questions I, I had for you, uh, Teresa. And with that, and that is all the time that we have for today's episode. Um, thank you very much for taking time off your schedule to joining us and uh, sharing all the information you have with us. I would also like to send a big thank you to everyone who is listening and hope you can join us on our next episode of High Tech Low Code Podcast. 
where as always we'll feature more guests and talk about more topics of importance to the tech world. See you soon. Thank you.